we we started off being very idealists i guess we really wanted to to build a business that was uh, creating more value back to farmers that was our core purpose Hi, Happy New Year, and welcome back to the Fifth Wave podcast. I'm Jeffrey Young, Editor-in-Chief of Coffee Business Magazine, Fifth Wave. To kick off 2022, we bring you a very special bonus episode with Klaus Thompson, co-founder of Legendary Coffee Collective, an extraordinary boutique specialty coffee chain, roastery, and now bakery based in Copenhagen, Denmark. In this episode, we discuss Klaus's early career and inspiration, the vision and culture behind Coffee Collective, and his key learnings to creating a successful and sustainable coffee business. So sit back and enjoy this bonus episode with Klaus Thompson. Can't thank you enough for joining us on Fifth Wave. Thank you. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about how you got into coffee in the first place. Yeah, so my uh, my way into coffee was actually in London, and uh, I moved to the big city. Uh, came came from Denmark, a small country. Uh, you know, lived in in the rural parts of Denmark my whole life, and I wanted to move to the big city. And uh, there were at that time two companies that were always hiring. It was Starbucks and Prédamanche. Yeah. And so I got a job with uh, Starbucks, kind of out of coincidence. And um, that took me through my first like barista training and coffee tasting and everything. And then I moved on from there later and became sort of a home geek and invested in my first home espresso machine and really started to dive into that world of espresso geekery, found out I needed a grinder and then, you know, eventually started home roasting and everything. And that kind of sent me down the, the path that well, coffee became my biggest hobby. And eventually I figured out, well, since this was such a fun hobby, I should do this professionally as well. And then moved on to other coffee shops in Copenhagen, a place called Estate Coffee, that really was the first time I elevated my understanding of coffee, of what goes into producing coffee. And at that time, I started competing as well. You won the World Brewster Championships way back in, was it 2006? Yeah, so I first competed in the in the Danish and the Worlds in 2004 and placed third and then took a year off to learn more about coffee and then came came back strong in uh, 2006. And uh that was a yeah, fantastic experience. This this uh it's still one of the highlights of my entire coffee career was uh, was doing that. Both because of the actual competition and winning and all the things that followed, but I think the time leading up to it is what I really remember as well as being incredibly educational and challenging and created an opportunity to really dive into coffee and learn about all the aspects um, and then gather that in a coherent presentation was really fun. And then going to the World Brewery Championship, meeting people from all over the world was such an experience that I really think that's one of the things that kept me in coffee was this international community and this variety of people from all over the world that that connect around this wonderful beverage. Wow. So what do you think that the impact of the WBC has had on your career as an entrepreneur? Well, it really meant that I was able to to co-found this company together with uh, my business partners, uh, Peter Dupont and Casper uh, Ingle Rasmussen. Um, when I had won the WBC, it meant that I could travel the world and see coffee shops and coffee farms all over the world. Um, it created a lot of opportunities to go to places like Tokyo and Cape Town to do talks. 
but also to go to Nicaragua and do a talk there, but then the other way, learn about coffee production, seeing the reality of coffee farmers in Brazil and Guatemala and all these places that that really left an imprint on me and really struck me as um, that like kind of elevated my feeling of why are we doing this? It's not just to have delicious coffee in the end, it's also to provide something back at origin. And after doing that for a while, being you know the World Barista Champion and traveling around and giving talks and so on, I also kind of felt that it was a little lonely and I felt there was more to, to do in Copenhagen. So it created that uh, sort of need personally for me to, to build a business and to go into business with someone else, to have really good colleagues to spar with, which was something I would have never guessed that I would want to do to start a business uh, before that. Incredible. So you met your business partners and you created Coffee Collective, a, a fabulous brand that has had so much impact on the world of coffee. I think that sort of Nordic influence has seeped through into many other parts of the, of the world of coffee. Tell us about Coffee Collective. What is it? and Where are you today? Yeah, I mean, we, we started off being very idealists, I guess, that we really wanted to, to build a business that was uh, creating more value back to farmers. That was our core purpose. Um, we had worked in coffee for a number of years. We met each other through coffee and we had seen how rotten the coffee business can be and how little value gets back to farmers. And this was at a time, this was back in 2007. And at that time, the coffee farmers were getting below the cost of production while coffee prices on the high streets of Europe were increasing tremendously. So we saw this opportunity to flip that around and say, well, there's money out there. Customers want to spend money. They want to have those amazing coffee experiences that we find exciting as well. So there is an opportunity in that to bring back more value to farmers, while bringing more value to farmers also means that you can get better quality that you can then bring back to guests, getting them more excited about coffee. And so it's a positive spiral instead of a race towards the bottom. And that vision and those ambitions have remained the same throughout our company history, going on almost 14 years, I guess. So it's, it's a very long time in a lot, a lot of ways, but it's also for us feels like a very short time because those ideals are still the same today. This is still why we show up to work every day and what we find is, is interesting and motivating. And it's, it's an interesting thing to have this kind of dualistic purpose of both wanting to excel and create the best coffee experiences in the world, and at the same time having this ethos of really trying to change lives in some of the poorest parts of the world. And I think quite often when I look at coffee businesses, it's either or. It's either they dive all into just creating aesthetic, beautiful coffee businesses that please the modern, trendy audience, and then they sometimes take a lot of shortcuts on the way that they source coffees. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you have a lot of the, the kind of fair trade, you know, do good kind of companies that, that might do amazing things in terms of uh, how they try to build more value to farmers, but they lack on the customer experience and um, they might lack on the taste quality or the aesthetics, the beautiness of coffee. And that was our idea when starting the business was to try and think very holistically about the whole experience. 
not getting sucked into a wormhole in, in just one little aspect in roasting, for example, but to say, well, we will never be better than the farmers that we work with. And the farmers will never benefit if the coffee isn't tasting amazing down to the cup, down to that experience that the final guests uh, or customers at home experience. So we, we call it the Coffee Collective because we see it as a big collective. It's a collective effort to bring value and to create those awesome coffee experiences. Incredible. Now you have, is it five stores in Denmark? Yeah, it's actually grown quite a bit. So we actually now have seven stores, uh, but okay. that includes our bakery as well, which is also a coffee shop. A roastery, you're giving courses Yeah. online, presumably. Yeah. Wholesale. A thriving uh, web shop that has uh, yeah, gone through the roof in the last two years as well. And, then, and wholesale with uh, customers basically all over the world. I think we ship to more than 50 countries. And yeah, it's a, it's a growing business for sure. So am I right to say that COVID hasn't had a negative impact on your business? No, unfortunately not. COVID definitely had a, a negative impact on the business, uh, especially in the uh, the early days of COVID, which is soon two years ago. Um, at that point, we uh, we saw a dramatic drop in our coffee shops. Um, most of Copenhagen closed down. We could only do takeaway for a long period of time. One of our coffee shops had to close for about six or seven weeks. But we actually quite quickly gained that back and found out that our, our shops were fortunately pretty adept uh, and were able to do takeaway business only uh, in a very efficient manner. We had really good large shops that had sufficient space to provide uh, space between customers. We had in most of the shops actually two doors so we could have an, an entrance and an exit. So there was a lot of positive things that we found out, well, this can actually work. And and on the bottom line, it, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. But we also very quickly in that process uh, made a decision that for us, one of the, the main ambitions for us building this company has never been to, to cash out. So we came in with a, with a pretty solid um, financial status uh, when we hit COVID. And uh, that meant that we had the opportunity to say, well, we are willing to sacrifice our results completely, our profits, if that means that we can keep on all our staff. Because we also saw an opportunity in there that if we keep on the staff and take good care of them, we can come out strong on the other side of that. And of course, at that time, we thought maybe it would be a two or three months thing. And it turned out to be going on two years soon. Mm. Um, But we didn't have to lay anyone off. And that was our success criteria. And we still managed to come out with a small, very, very small profit. But we were happy just to to have a a zero goal uh, on the profit side if we could retain our staff. So that was a success on its own. Wow. And now we're not quite on the other side of COVID and there's a lot of uncertainty still. Not yet, yeah. But would you say that some parts of your business have, have you did mention that your e-commerce is trading very well. Any other parts of the business that are better than before COVID? Yeah, I mean, the, the e-commerce, if we start with that, we fortunately, we built a new web shop and an entire new platform and backend uh, already uh, a few years ago and have been through all the, the baby diseases of, of that um, platform. So when COVID hit, we were actually pretty able to scale up quite quickly. They were running very fast for a while and had to hire in more help um, to pack and ship coffee. But we actually... It was an amazing thing for the web shop because it finally meant that the business there was so good that we could actually invest more into staff and into optimizing some of the things that 
we didn't really have the cash flow in that department before. Wholesale probably is the is the sales channel that suffered the most um, okay. because a lot of restaurants and cafes had to shut down. But um, since we're international, when Denmark closed down, we actually started to see some of Asia opening up again. So we shipped a lot of coffee over there. And that actually felt like, well, it's, it's quite good. We have these different legs to stand up. It's like one leg goes missing. It's not like the whole chair falls down. You can still remain seated. And then for the coffee shops, we, we took a, almost an aggressive approach there and said, well, if we want to keep on our staff, we might actually have to open more places. Because since everything dropped in turnover and there was less people who had to, to man the shops for takeaway only, we actually said, let's open up uh, more places. And in these past two years, we've actually opened two more coffee shops. Um, one is a small uh, sort of satellite from another coffee shop and then a, a big coffee shop. And then our bakery. And the bakery definitely has been a, a tremendous success as well. It solved a problem we had for a long time, getting quality bread and pastries into all our coffee shops. But it's also one of those things that during Corona, there was not that many things you could go out to do. All the restaurants, museums, cinemas were closed, but you could still go out for a takeaway coffee and a pastry. So in that regard, it actually was uh, quite helpful in, in some ways. Fantastic. Do you have a wholesale, wholesale business with the bakery now as well? No, because the bakery actually turned out to be so busy on its own. We, uh, we have, as I mentioned, uh, six coffee shops that the bakery delivers to fresh every morning, plus its own shop that's, uh, that has a broader menu and serves coffee alongside as well. And that actually meant that they've been so busy from the get-go that there has been no room for, for taking on wholesale uh, for that business as well, which, yeah, which is, I think it's like... It's at least 10 times more busy than we had estimated before we started. So, yeah, pretty good success. So some really interesting successes. And you were obviously as well positioned as anyone to at least survive the, the COVID and, and actually thrive through it. What were the challenges that you've experienced as an entrepreneur over the years? I did see something online where you said one of the first mistakes was opening that second store. I mean, there, there's, there's been a tremendous amount of small bumps along the way, and it has been challenging. And I like how you, you opened up saying that it looked uh, with ease from the outside, and it, it definitely hasn't been that from the inside at times. But, uh, but I do think we are, we are helped by having uh, very strong values that, that we don't just preach, but we actually live. So, for example, we, we talk a lot about work-life balance. Denmark is, is a country that does well in this regard and, and appreciates that you need time off to regenerate. It's not good to run your employees down. Uh, you don't gain more from that in the long run. So I think, think we have a, a pretty solid sort of work-life balance in that way. But I would say that if I had to point at one biggest mistake is definitely that second shop. But it's one of those mistakes that I'm really happy we made because it really meant that we learned a lot about what works for a coffee shop. And you could argue it, we learned it the hard way that it did cost us a lot of money, especially at that time. But I think those failures are some of the most interesting things for you as a company because it really means that you think long and hard before you open another shop. It makes you think about, well, what are the criteria that are really important to run a successful coffee shop? And you can always kid yourself. It's very easy to fall into the trap of thinking, oh, this place looks amazing. It's ideal. It's romantic. It's it has this kind of business and I can see myself standing here. 
but you need to be very strict in yourself thinking about well, what is the actual uh, possible turnover that I can do in this shop? Is it large enough that I can have enough seats? Is there enough foot traffic? Is it in a good enough location for what I want to achieve? And I think, unfortunately, a lot of times when people open coffee shops, they're thinking a little too much about, well, this is where I can see myself standing and working, and this will be a nice experience for me. But you really have to think about, well, how does this grow? How can you have employees coming in? What, what is the plan in five years when you don't want to work every weekend and so on? Because otherwise, I don't think it's going to be a sustainable thing for you as a business owner. So lesson for budding entrepreneurs out there is look at the business from the outlook of the customer or the potential customer rather than your own image. Any other tips that you give to someone starting a business? Yeah, I think uh, some of the things, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not any sort of business guru. And I definitely say that this is all a team effort that the, the reason our company has, has done well and, and keeps doing well it's because we're a large team of really good uh, people. I think my business partners and, and I, we all have our different strengths and weaknesses. And, um, and that was something we were very aware of from the beginning. And it would be an advice I give to, to new uh, people starting up a business is make sure that you're really aware of where are your different strengths and weaknesses. We had a huge strength in uh, Peter Dupont that he is very, very good at, at doing you know, the books, the bookkeeping, knowing about finances and that whole side of the business. He has a lot of coffee knowledge as well, especially in green coffee. He's very knowledgeable. He's a great guy at sourcing coffee. But I actually think if I look back, the biggest strength has been that he had this structure. And as I mentioned before, we never started the company to cash out. That was never our incentive. Our motive was to have fun, to be able to work in coffee for a lifetime, to be able to build something that hopefully we can do until we retire and, and to look forward to going to work every day. But in order to do that, we were painfully aware from the beginning that we needed to build a financially sound business. And so to, to know that you really have to make the money work for you, that you cannot do all the fun things unless you, you have a, a strong economic sense and a strong uh, financial backbone in your business. I think that was very, very healthy for us um, and meant that we didn't go out of business. And there was a number of times we could easily have closed our business when things were challenging. I think that having that, the awareness of your strengths and weaknesses, knowing that you, you really need to build a sustainable business on multiple levels, not just on, on one item, but on a lot of different dimensions, I, I think that is uh, one of my key advices. And when I say about multiple dimensions, I really think that you can't just say, okay, I'm going to, let's say, have an organic coffee company and then everything will be great if I don't take good care of my employees. Also, you can't just take good care of your employees if you don't take good care of your payment to farmers. You will not have the best quality of your raw product. At the same time, you can't do all those things if you don't take good care of your finances. So it's really thinking about it again holistically. Think about your whole company. I think that, uh, that is my best advice to newcomers. And you mentioned it's a team effort. So how do you foster that team spirit? Yeah, we've been blessed with like a number of really talented uh, people who come on. And I think they've been drawn in because they can feel that we live our values, that we are honest in, in what we say and what we do, and that they know that we are not in just building a, a quick case 
building a lot of coffee shops to sell out to a big holding company. So I think they, they can feel that we're in this on the long run. And that means that you attract people who will also be in it for the long run. Um, so, and then, yeah, we've, we've just had so many good people. Um, it's hard to single out any of them, but, but I'll have to say that our bar manager, Rasmus Gamrat, who's been here for over 10 years and, and has now actually become a co-owner of the company, has been such a big part of, uh, of building the entire team, building the coffee shops, um, managing that they were also doing well financially, and, but at the same time having such a keen eye on also improving quality so that those things can go hand in hand. Um, and we have you know, bar managers here, Peter Eprup, who is taking on Colombia as, a, as an origin country, Michaela, who does our HR. There's such a, such a big amount of people who have been here for a long time and who we feel contribute equally as we do to the company and to the culture. So yeah, I, I wish I could name all of them, but <laughs> I'll have to stop here. Well, fantastic. Now, sustainability appears to be very, very important to your corporate ethos. I wonder if you'd tell our audience about some of the, the ways that you embed sustainability into your business. Yeah, and first of all, I say I, I fully understand if some of the audience uh, gets a little sick when they hear the word sustainability, because it is, it is largely overused these days. But I will also say that I do think it's more important than ever to think about sustainability. And just because you've seen greenwashing or you heard the word a lot, that should not be an excuse to not think about how you can be the most sustainable possibly. So for us, sustainability is, is many things, and it's never a goal that you can just reach. It is something you constantly have to work on. And we think very much about three different things when we talk sustainability. As I mentioned before, there's the social aspect, the environmental aspect, and the financial aspect. And I think the first two ones are the one that rings the most to people, but the third one, the financial, is what will make the other two also be possible to achieve. We were lucky that when we started out with the company, as I mentioned it, we started out with a sort of wanting to build something sustainable. We, it was exactly because we saw the coffee business as inherently unsustainable that we founded our company. So it's built into the DNA right from the beginning. It wasn't something we had to go back and invent or do a you know, CSR arm of the company to become sustainable. And... I think for that reason, when we talk sustainability, we, we really think our primary sort of goal or our primary battle is to bring more value to farmers and try to disrupt the whole coffee business a little bit, try to be more transparent, showing what we pay to farmers in order to hopefully push others to have to do the same. Because we firmly believe that the more transparent you are, the more you'll educate customers about the importance of price and the more you'll push these larger roasteries who are not paying enough for their coffee to have to increase the price. The more you'll get customers to also appreciate that you can't just buy, you know, supermarket coffee on offer and think that is not harming someone at the other end of the chain. So that's our primary sort of battle. But over the years, we also learned that we, we do try on a number of different issues to become better. And two years ago, we became a B Corporation and the B Corp certification was sort of tr a, a tool for us to sort of catch up and to sort of frame all these different things that we're working on from trash collection to uh, reducing our uh, CO2 emissions to 
what we do with farmers and uh, co-workers and how we influence our neighborhoods that, that we have coffee shops in and all these things. And that was definitely a big, both a big learning experience, but also a great opportunity to sort of summarize a lot of these different things that we're doing um, throughout the entire company. And within your stores, um, what are the what are the keys to making a coffee shop sustainable? If if you can, like the top things that you would make sure that everyone needs to do. Yeah, so there's one thing that people really need to know is that some of the biggest carbon emissions actually come from building new things. And since we want to open new coffee shops, we are obviously faced with a dilemma because how much do you tear down and how much do you try to keep? And there is actually a lot to save in that. And we're, we're working with a company who has years of experience with that. They started as squatters way back in the 80s. And through that, they, they took all these old condemned buildings and they were squatting them. And that actually translated into them building a company much later that rejuvenates, or, or um, I don't know if that's the correct word, but um, restores old buildings with the intent of trying to keep as many things as you can and only using sustainable materials whenever you build new things. And that's a great partnership because we learn a lot from them. And they also can feel that we really try to push whenever there's a decision to be made. We always look at what, what is the most sustainable uh, decision here. What is the, the best possible thing that we can choose for this? So, so that's one thing. And then really think long and hard about what is your energy consumption. It's calculated that 40% of the carbon emissions from coffee, from seed to cup, is actually happening here in the consuming countries. And it's basically us heating water and the machines that we're using to brew coffee. So if you can switch from coal, for example, or gas to a renewable energy source, such as wind power, you've actually done a lot of good. And that's an easy, easy fix for a coffee shop to find an electrical supplier who can give you green energy in that way. So that's a few, few of the things that you can do quite easily, I think. Fantastic. Now, across your time as an entrepreneur, you must have had mentors or people that you admire. Where have been those sources of inspiration outside your company that you've learned from or been able to imbibe learnings from yeah i definitely uh, i have to say my my biggest mentors are my colleagues in the business <laughs> and it sounds like a cliche but but i'm so fortunate to learn so much from from my colleagues and then at the same time i've always been as like i think starting with the world Barista championship i think there's so much to learn from other coffee businesses and i've been fortunate that i have a huge network globally to uh, to yeah to take in the inspiration from and it's everyone from, you know, we started our company um, back in 2007. This was the same year that James Hoffman started Square Mile Coffee and Tim Wendelbo started his company in Oslo and Anne and Charles started Coffee in Sweden. So they have remained really good friends. We all met through the competitions and we started at the same time. And being able to spar with, with James about the business, especially in the early days, um, and with Tim about sourcing coffee and so on has taught us a tremendous amount and been, been able to look at your own company a little bit from the outside through their eyes at times. Um, I've also gained a lot of uh, yeah, knowledge and, and, uh, and just sort of a business mentality from, from other coffee people. Ben Kaminsky in the, in the States is a good friend and he's really valuable at 
at sometimes pointing at where, where we're weak at a certain point, while also giving a pat on the shoulder when we're strong on something. And then I actually look a lot outside of coffee as well. I think there are, there are a lot of different people from, um, from international people to Danish people that, that inspire a lot, um, especially in terms of sustainability. There's, there's a huge amount in Denmark, someone like Sine Venneberg, who has a, a strong blog and Instagram presence. Someone who's, who's really good at communicating what sustainability can be in your everyday life. Uh, and I, I really take a lot of inspiration from one of the things she always says, which is nobody can do everything, but everybody can do something. And that means that it's very easy always to, to point fingers and say, ah, you know, you're doing this, but you're not that great over here. Or it doesn't matter that you're transparent or why are you... Uh, why are you signing the pledge? Like, I don't want to sign the pledge because it only shows the FOB price. It's always easy to point fingers at those things and find the mistakes instead of doing something proactive. And for me, that's a big inspiration to see that she, whenever people point fingers at her, just kind of say, well, listen, what are you doing? Like, you can always do something better and you should never use those excuses to not try to improve your, your business and your personal life in a more sustainable manner. So I think that uh, both coffee people and people from outside of coffee is a big inspiration in, in everything we do here. Incredible. Now, this is going to be the first fifth wave podcast for the year. I wonder what you're looking forward to and what are your reflections on the year ahead for your business and for the coffee industry? I definitely think for our business, it's 2022 is going to be an interesting year. Uh, we thought that obviously we'd be done with Corona last year. That didn't happen. Um, I'm not sure if we'll be done this year either. They might require another winter, uh, another lockdown. But all in all, I feel like we have we have adapted to the situation. There's a lot of things that are still tricky. We had to cancel our Christmas party and a lot of these social gatherings that historically have been really important for us to feel like a, a family or a big team. Um, I really look forward to spring to when things open a bit more up and we can gather everybody for a big party but i also look forward to opening more shops we will definitely open a, a new coffee shop sometime next year and the reason for opening more shop the reason i'm so motivated by it is both because it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun designing these places thinking about the concept and doing something new we get a lot of energy out of that and it's it's always fun to see how you can open up in a new place of town and reach a new audience that didn't have easy access to you before. At the same time, I feel like we have taken on a, a lot of new staff within the last year, and I really look forward to doing more trainings with them. We have a very strong workshop um, culture where people have a, uh, baristas have a development program where they can come into workshops almost every month and we have a lot of those planned for the coming uh, half a year that I'm super excited about because providing more educational opportunities for our baristas is so much fun. And it's, it's so nice to see how people react on that, that it, it really makes them find coffee just more interesting the more they learn about it. It's not like you reach a plateau at any point. It's almost like a learning curve that keeps uh, rising. So I'm, I'm full of positive hopes for 2022. Um, and I hope that coffee in general will have the same kind of feeling. I know that a lot of businesses are still struggling, but, uh, but I hope that a lot of people will also take comfort in the fact that if you look historically, whenever there's been crisis in the past, coffee has actually increased in sales. So 
these this crisis of a global pandemic means that there's a lot of opportunity for people to enjoy more coffee. So let's use that opportunity to provide them with better coffee experiences and coffee experiences that provide better payment to farmers as well. Great. Klaus, thank you very much and congratulations on creating what is a truly inspirational brand in coffee and thanks for your leadership in this industry. Well, I'm very humbled by those words and thank you very much for asking these delightful questions and for uh, to all the listeners for uh, listening in. That's all this week for the Fifth Wave podcast. Please subscribe to the Fifth Wave wherever you get your podcasts and we'd really appreciate a good rating if you enjoyed this show. Subscribe to us also on Instagram at Fifth Wave Coffee. That's the number five, followed by TH Wave Coffee, all one word. Tell us what topics are important to you so we can make the show more relevant to you and to your business. This episode was produced at the one and only Serendipity Studios in glorious Camden, North London. It was produced by myself, Jeffrey Young, the World Coffee Portal team, James Harper of Filter Productions, and sound engineering by Chris Bristow. Have a great week, and until next time, stay safe and stay caffeinated.